The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Sunday, May 26th, the greatest spectacle in racing returns. The Indianapolis 500 on NBC and Peacock. 33 of the world's fastest drivers go head-to-head for a chance to kiss the bricks, taste the milk, and claim their place in racing history. Experience the drama, the pageantry, the tradition. Live from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the Indy 500. Sunday, May 26th on NBC and Peacock. Or listen on Sirius XM NBC Sports Channel. Clean. Look at it. Check them out. There you go, baby. Austin Eckler in the new Chargers uniforms, and they are awesome. How about Justin Herbert? There's Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa can't hide money. Joey Bosa can't hide. Rich now. I don't know where you. I don't know where do you. Where do you put all that money? Wouldn't that be a problem to have? I got all this money. I don't know where to put it. I know the you know the, the days of the uh, the old Italian grandparents uh, putting it in jars and digging it in the backyard are long gone. Joey Bosa, I think Bosa, he's got a little Italian heritage. Man, who knows? Maybe he's going to put it in jars in the ground. Maybe we should get a shovel and go out to L.A. and start looking around for <laughs> X on the ground great. somewhere where all of Joey Bosa's <laughs> money is. Uh, the Chargers, Chris, are number – where do we have them? Number, number, I don't number, know. What's your list? Pull the, pull the graphic up. I can't list. remember. <laughs> I can't remember. There it is, 21. Number 21, somewhere between 1 and 32 are the Chargers. They come in at number 21 on the preseason power rankings. We're working our way up that list as a template for previewing the season for the various teams. And the Chargers are one of those teams where we just don't quite know where they fit. They had the great season in 2018, that Thursday night win in Kansas City that actually had them positioned to be the one seed. They lost at home to the Ravens on a Saturday night that knocked them out of that opportunity. They went in as a wild card. They beat the Ravens in Baltimore and then lost handily to the Patriots in Foxborough in the divisional round. Last year was was just uninspiring. Last year was just a disaster, a huge, huge disappointment. I don't know what to make of this team right now. Phillip Rivers gone after all those seasons. Tyrod Taylor's in as the starter. Justin Herbert, 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 Herbert is there ready to go. And uh, I just I ha- I am at a loss to really peg where they fit. That's why for me they're in that 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 gulf between playoffs and the worst teams. That group of ten that's that's wedged in between the best and the worst. Yeah, I mean I understand it. I mean they got some marquee players, some real difference makers, you know. And I, I think they're one of those teams that you know just just start off this. I look at them and go, they could be eleven and five. And be second in the AFC West this year, and, and be in the in the in the you know in the wild card game. There's no doubt about it. You know, I could also look at them, and I don't know. I don't think the floor is real low. 
Uh, but you're right. I can see them, you know, maybe they go 6-10 and 10 again. There's some unproven things, and, of course, it's life without Phillip Rivers, right? So that's the first thing, I think, that just jumps out to me is going to be the new, you know, mantra or this new look on offense by the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, they're not going to play through Phillip Rivers anymore, obviously. And I think Anthony Lynn, with his background as a head coach, I mean, as a coach, and he believes in toughness and running game. And then, of course, they have a top defense in football. I think they're going to play a more physical brand of offensive style of football this year and play through the run game and play through their defense a little bit more. And that's where it's going to come into Tyrod Taylor. And, you know, can he make a few plays every game in the pass game to get them over the hump offensively? But, you know, there's a lot to be excited about. When you talk about star power, right, Mike? I mean, the Chargers, are they're starting to accumulate some names and some guys that I get very excited about. And I think, you know, they, they got a chance to really open up a lot of eyes this year and jump up your power rankings in a hurry, you know, if they can play well and, and kind of get it all together. We've talked about Tyrod Taylor in your top 40 quarterback rankings, the idea that he's never had the talent around him that he has now. He took a Bills team to the playoffs. He's above 500 in his career as a starter. We've forgotten about him yeah. because he got supplanted by Baker Mayfield in 2018 in week three on a Thursday night against the Jets. He was a backup last year with the Chargers and never played. Or if he did, it was a cameo appearance at best. Now he's the guy. And, you know, how much will he be the guy this year? I get the feeling at some point Justin Herbert, the sixth overall pick in the draft, is going to play. But with all those weapons around him, Austin Eckler, sneaky good running back. He's got great receivers. Hunter Henry there under the franchise tag this season. Tyrod Taylor could really make some hay with that offense and, uh, and maybe hold Herbert on the sidelines most, if not all of the year. No, no doubt about it. You know, I'll, I'll say a little bit about what I like with Tyrod Taylor. You know, and again, I don't think he's a, quite as a gifted of a passer as a Derek Carr, but has a similar sentiment in me to go, let it go, big guy. You got to let it loose this year. You can't protect the ball and just play not to lose the game. You know, that's the reason he's on his fourth team. That's it. You know, he was in Cleveland, and we were all, eh, and then Baker Mayfield went in there and was zoom, zoom, and we were like, whoa, the offense looks better. And I want to know, it's the same offense. It's just Tyrod wouldn't make some of those throws. He wouldn't throw it. He was too careful. Now, he is going to bring the, you know, the, 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 the dynamic ability to run and move the pocket and do those things, which is going to be good for this team, too, because offensive line is certainly a question for them. It's been not good the last two years. And, yeah, they, they added a Balaga in free agency. Great job by them. Traded Russell Okun to get Trey Turner because they had a real need at the guard position. And I think they have a few tackles they feel like that can supplant maybe Okung, Okung's spot. But either way, you know, you get into Keenan Allen and then Mike Williams and Hunter Henry, who's been hurt a lot but very talented. You go, man, you know, to your point, Mike, He's got some weapons to push the ball down the field, let alone a good running back in the pass game too in Austin Eckler to where you go, yeah, we know they want to run the ball here, but they could be an explosive passing offense if Tyrod will just let it go, and I'm hoping he'll do that. A former Charger, Rodney Harrison, is going to join us coming up at about 8.30 a.m. Eastern. We'll get his thoughts on his former team. I, I struggle with this team also because of the division they're in. Yeah. They're stuck with the Chiefs. They're stuck behind the Chiefs. And between the Broncos, who we have yet to reach on this countdown from 32 to 1 on the full slate of NFL teams, uh, I think the Broncos may be in a better position than the Chargers going into 2020. I feel like the Chargers are going to be competing for 
third place in the AFC West with the Raiders. Well, I, I mean, I think it's you could flip a coin. I think those two teams have a very similar sentiments here where we go, wow, good defenses, got some weapons on offense. They can be something this year. You know, Denver, yeah, they found their next franchise guy, a quarterback, which makes you maybe feel a little bit more hopeful with Tyrod Taylor. We're going, oh, is he the guy? Is he just going to be a game manager? I don't know where it goes there. But, you know, I, I kind of hold the Broncos and the Chargers in the same regard. And I understand what you're saying. I mean, we know Kansas City's king. I mean, the Las Vegas Raiders are not going to be a joke. As we talked about them yesterday, there's things alike. And then, yeah, Denver's good. But the Chargers, hey, you know, as you said, this is 12 and four football team two years ago. They know what the playoffs are like. You know, they're a little more battle tested than maybe the young Denver Broncos are with that team they got there. And then you talk about the defense, Mike. I mean, they got, we haven't even talked about them. They got superstars on defense. I mean, we just, Joey Bosa, highest paid defensive player in the history of the sport. I mean, he's a force. Melvin Ingram got Linvel Joseph at defensive tackle and free agency. You know, they got a, 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 a Tillery uh, who, who they drafted in the first round two years ago from Notre Dame at defensive tackle needs to show up. And then, of course, Derwin James and Chris Harris Jr. I Chris mean, Harris Jr., underrated, uh, underrated no slot doubt. corner. It, it's Chris a, Harris Jr. It's a, and Casey Hayward, we, he's another underrated. Nobody talks about him enough as a corner. So you start to go through that, let alone the first round draft pick, which was a stud middle linebacker, Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma. <laughs> And, I mean, as you can see, I get excited about talking about this team. And uh, I, I think it's justified because there are, there's a lot of damn talent on it. And here's the other reality. We talk all the time about home field advantage for the Chargers. This year means no home field disadvantage. No yeah. visiting fan showing up and overtaking the stadium like we saw for the last three years at the – soccer stadium they were playing at and the dynamic was going to be the same just because you have more seats doesn't mean it's more chargers fans what happens when you vacate a gigantic market like la for 20 years is the people out there become fans of all of the teams right so when one of those teams comes to town hey the packers are in town let's go see the packers and every packers fan in la is going to try to buy a ticket to the game that's the problem so this this actually helps the Chargers, not from a money standpoint because yeah. they'd like to sell the tickets, but from the standpoint of of never having that sense that they have a home field advantage. Nobody's going to have it this year. They 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 at least don't have to worry about showing up for eight home games, feeling like they're still on the road, and that psychologically has to be a huge factor. I know I know you know Melvin Gordon couldn't wait to get into that new stadium to get out of the old. Well, Melvin Gordon's gone now, but the the mindset. For the past three years with the Chargers, you never do have that sense of a home field advantage because it's all visiting teams, fans there cheering for the opponent. So right. th that's going to help them. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, it, you don't have to deal with that like dysfunction of like, wait, we're in a home game and we're running out the tunnel and we're being booed. Or, you know, we're getting no applause or anything like that. I mean, that's that's weird. I can't even really imagine what that must be like to just always have to hear that, especially when you're at home and you don't expect that. Now, the other thing, too, Mike, I think we just got a hit on is, you know, the, the, the sixth pick of the draft. You know, is there any chance he becomes the starting quarterback this year? Can he – does he have enough time right now to impress them, as in the Chargers coaches, to go – Hey, look at me. I, I could start for this team. You guys want to run the ball and take care of the football and play through the defense and take a few shots down the field? 
I do think Justin Herbert can do that. Highest Wonderlick score out of all the quarterbacks in the draft. Very smart. Extremely talented. Big-time arm. Big human being in 6'6 and 240 pounds. And he's every bit as fast as Tyrod Taylor if they lined up and raced. I mean, it, he's a gifted, gifted athlete. So I just wonder if he can make any you know headway here in this weird offseason to where he could maybe challenge Tyrod. I would bet no. But uh, I, I'm very interested to see kind of how it plays out and the rumors I get to hear as we get later into August. Yeah, I mean, beyond no offseason, no preseason games, no. no chance to put the uniform on and go out and play and show what you can do within the confines of the offense to give the coaching staff confidence that you're good to go. Look, typically you draft a guy that high, you better be ready to use him, but that's going to be the challenge. And I really do wonder whether it's the Dolphins with Tua Tonga-Vailoa, the Chargers with Justin Herbert, the Bears with their quarterback competition – Will we see some sort of a mechanism, some sort of a strategy, some sort of a plan where both quarterbacks play, find a way to play, find a way to get them on the field in September to treat it kind of like a hybrid preseason regular season with the goal of having a final decision as to who your starter is come October? I, I just I think that, that uh, it's not like Tyrod Taylor is going to be upset and sulk about it. He's always been a great teammate in that regard. And, you know, here, here we go again for him. He's the starter, and then a top 10 pick is used on a quarterback that's eventually going to supplant him. But, you know, may maybe they have a Justin Herbert package that they use. Maybe. Uh, to keep the, you know, it keeps the defense on its toes, sure. and it gives you a chance to find out what your guy has, yeah, Chris. Right, yeah. And they're both really two athletic guys, so you could probably do some different things for them, you know? Yeah, Justin Herbert's lined up in the shotgun at quarterback. Now Tyrod Taylor's at halfback, you know? Hey, we, we toss it. To Tyrod Taylor, now he throws a quarterback halfback slash pass. You know, I mean, there's a lot of different things you could do. I, I mean, I wouldn't be against that, it's certainly. I mean, they're, they're, they're guys that are pretty versatile there. But the Chargers, you know, I'm excited about this football team. I am. I'm just, I'm just you know, want to see, can they rise to the occasion? Can they play consistent? You know, as we know last year, and, and Phillip Rivers made this comment when they were 12-4, and four, right? He said that after that year, he goes, we could have gone 16-0. and 0, and we could have gone 6-10 and 10 that year. And last year, you know, with as bad as it was, there were so many games that were there to be had. And it was really, you know, Phillip Rivers was careless with the football in some big moments, as we know. You know, and you'd like to think, wow, if that didn't happen, could they have snuck into the playoffs somehow, some way? You know, so I know they were the six picks in the draft, but I think this is a team that was a little unlucky and unfortunate last year and is better than where they ended up in the standings. And I do think they're one of those teams that can surprise a lot of people this year. And that extra wild card spot is going to keep a team like the Chargers alive a lot longer than it otherwise would have been. And if the standard for the Chargers is we're sticking with Tyrod Taylor until we're eliminated from playoff contention, you're going to be sticking with Tyrod Taylor longer than you would in another year because that seven spot is going to still be dangling in December and there's going to be a chance for the Chargers to sneak in. All right, let's take a break. There were some confident predictions made by the Falcons' number two receiver, Calvin Ridley. We're going to draft, as a result of those comments, the best number two receivers in the entire NFL. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. My first year, I was like, I guess I was the three, you would say. And last year, we had Muhammad Sanu, me, Julio. So now I'm coming in as me, Julio. So I think there'll be a little bit more extra balls so I get a more extra yards. So it'll probably look a little different. I ain't gonna lie, I'm real hungry to just show people that, you know, 
I'm easily a thousand yard receiver, easily and uh, even better. Calvin Ridley, the number two receiver in Atlanta behind Julio Jones with a high degree of confidence. So thank you for the inspiration, Calvin Ridley, because we otherwise, I don't know what we would have drafted today. Our draft for today, the best number two receivers in the NFL. This could get interesting because first you have to, you know, have an idea of what a number two receiver is, who the number two receivers are, which creates some opportunities for challenge flags. Chris, I'll go ahead and give you the first pick in this one. Well, number two receivers. First, what? I know, I know, but you're right. That's a good question. I mean, because like you, you, we could throw out a team. I'm going to throw it out there. I don't care if you pick them or not, but let's just say the Los Angeles Rams. They got Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. I don't, who's the one, who's the two? I would argue both are twos, really, you know, in the realm of the NFL. But I guess in the spirit of the draft, we're going to say one's a one and one's a two. So we'll see where it goes. I'm not going there, even though we'll, I think we'll they're see. phenomenal football players. My best That's number part of two the wide receiver. Make your pick. My best number two wide receiver will be Jarvis Landry. I think that's the best number two receiver in football. He's such a good number two. You're not sure he might be a number one, but he's not a number one with the Cleveland Browns. It's Odell Beckham Jr. Okay. He is the guy that garners the most attention and is the superstar of that team. But Jarvis Landry, I mean, come on, he does everything. You know, can run the football, speed sweeps, catch screens, break tackles, make people miss. You know, and then within a number two receiver, we usually think like slot, you know, oh, he can work the middle of the field to do all things, all those things. Yeah, he's as good as it gets in that department, let alone he's really got enough talent to line up outside and be a dangerous guy there, too. So uh, as far as that's concerned, I think Jarvis Landry is the best number two in the sport. All right, let me ask you this question. Who would you rather have on your team, Jarvis Landry or Sammy Watkins? Oh, I, I, I like guys that stay healthy. So I know you're going to take Sammy Watkins, uh -huh. but I like guys that are yeah. healthy. That would be my argument. I trust me. Sammy was in my thought there. So you're going Sammy? I'm, go well, I'm going Sammy. I yeah. mean, the guy was the fourth overall pick in the draft. I know. In, in the same year that Odell Beckham Jr., the number one receiver in Cleveland, was drafted. Now yeah. Watkins has never lived up to that status, but he's found his niche in Kansas City as the number two to Tyreek Hill because he's got number one receiver skills in a number two receiver's body. That's what makes him, in my mind, the best number two receiver in the NFL. He's really not a number two receiver. He's a co-number one. But then again, Tyreek Hill's so good, you can't be number one. You can't even be co-number one with Tyreek Hill around. So he's number two just by virtue of the fact of how yeah. good Tyreek Hill is. So they're both so good. Give me Tyreek Hill's number two receiver, Sammy White. Yeah, I get it. It's the same premise of the guys I just talked about. Yeah, Landry and Odell, they're both number ones, really. But I, I understand. You know, my pick's better. I mean, you're only going to get your guy for four games. I'm getting mine for 16, so I like my pick better. Um, okay. All right. Pick number two is going to be I'm going to the team we just talked about in your power rankings. I'm going with Mike Williams. Yeah, Los Angeles Chargers. He's a guy that, I don't know, we just seem to never really talk about, but huge body, can make some plays happen after the catch. I mean, one of the better 50-50 high point receivers in all of football and you talk about big plays you know they have a number one Yen Keenan Allen who's not a big play guy he's going to work the intermediate routes and get a lot of five and eight and ten and twelve yard catches Mike Williams is the one that gets the big plays I mean this stat line is kind of like crazy when you look at it 49 receptions for a thousand and one yards last year 20.4 yards per you know reception 
I mean, that that's pretty amazing to say that, yeah, a guy that's not getting a ton of balls come his way, when they do come his way, they're game-changing type plays. So uh, Mike Williams is going to be my second pick. See, this is one where you stray, I think, a little too close to the sun on wings of pastrami because you could argue he's the number one with the Chargers. So and you argue Allen that with number Keenan two. Allen, then you argue that with him on Twitter because I don't think he's – I'm not picking it. I can tell you that. Mike Williams is but, number but, two. But remember – I know. Remember our argument for Keenan Allen not being a top 10 guy? Yeah. If you don't command double coverage, you're not a top 10 guy. We'd need to look at the Chargers film to resolve this and see who gets doubled between the two. The guy who gets doubled is the number one. The guy who doesn't is the number two. And maybe it's interchangeable. I don't know, and I'm not going to pretend to know. Yeah. But to me, that that's why I stayed away from that one. Because I'm looking for a clear number one, clear number two. Here's a clear number two, even though we don't know who the number one is. We talked about this earlier in the week. Juju Smith-Schuster is the consummate. He is the perfect. He is the ideal number two receiver in the National Football League. The problem is last year, the Steelers tried to make him number one. Yeah. And it didn't work, right. confirming that he is the perfect number two receiver. Now they just have to find a number one receiver <laughs> who will command the double coverage and stretch the field and let Juju Smith-Schuster be that same kind of player that Jarvis Landry is for the Browns. Be that reliable target who catches everything but doesn't take the top off the defense. He was the MVP of the team in 2018 for a reason. Of course, one of the reasons was that Antonio Brown was taking all the attention away from him. That's one of the reasons why Antonio stormed out week 17 once he found out that Juju was the team MVP and not him. So give me Juju Smith-Schuster, even though we don't know who the number one receiver uh, yeah, is going yep. to be in Pittsburgh. We need to, we need, can we call 345 Park Ave and get Al Riveron on the phone, please? I got a challenge flag here. <laughs> I don't know if we can say this is the number two receiver. I mean, in theory, you're right. He's a number two receiver. To give you a hard time for the draft, he's the number one guy in the Steelers right now. And, you know, I think you're really moving the line there. Really moving the line. Okay. Man, I didn't think this guy was going to be on the board here, honestly, but I got to go Chris Godwin for the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, I, I got, you know, I honestly, I didn't even think I was going to be able to pick him here. Um, but, hey, yeah, when you're one of the, you know, arguably one of the best slot receivers in football, got good size, everything like that, a big part of the offense. Yeah, we know Mike Evans is the main guy there. He's the one that attracts the true double team. He is a – Mike Evans is a true number one. I don't think you're going to argue that. Uh, but but Chris Chris Godwin, you know, a guy that really jumped on the scene last year, and I think he's going to have an even bigger role this year because of some of the Brady influence and those New England-type plays that Edelman got all these years. You'll see Chris Godwin, but uh, I, I think he is clearly one of the best number twos in football. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that, and I thought about taking him instead of Juju, but my point is that Juju is the ideal number two guy. Yeah. He's just not on a team where he potentially will have the luxury to be number two. All right, uh, this can go a lot of different directions, and there are some great number Man, two receivers is. out there, and we're going to have to mention some of them on the way out to minimize the attacks that we absorb on social media. I am torn here, but I'll tell you what. I got to go with Larry Fitzgerald. I have to. DeAndre Hopkins becomes the clear-cut number one. I mean, you could argue Christian Kirk's the number two yeah, in Arizona. that's what Larry I was going to say. Number right. three. But, I, I, you know, Fitzgerald had more production last year, at least in receiving yardage, and – and, and he's still – look, there's been this vague sense the last five years that he's going to retire, even though he hasn't quite done the full-blown Brett Favre, will I or won't I retire. I don't know why there's been this nagging sense he's going to walk away. He still keeps going, and he still keeps performing. He still keeps producing, and he's never had a guy like DeAndre Hopkins 
to take attention away from him the way that Hopkins will. I am very excited to see what Larry Fitzgerald will do this year with Kyler Murray throwing the ball, with DeAndre Hopkins attracting double coverage all the time, and one of the best receivers in NFL history who still is in position to leave with every record if he plays long enough. What can he do this year in that offense? Yeah, I mean, he's not falling off the cliff, that's for sure. I mean, he's kind of like the Tom Brady of wide receivers. He's showing everybody, oh, you want to play a long time in a position where you need to be explosive and things like that? He's showing how to do it. You know, it's pretty damn impressive. You know, again, yeah, I'll, he's the number two. I'll give you that for now. I think it's going to end up being Christian Kirk when, when all said and done. Uh, but but I, I think you're right. I think we legitimately call him the two. You know, borderline three. Your draft, very suspect today. I mean, you picked the number one, a guy that plays four games, and then a borderline number three receiver who used to be a superstar number one. But either way, what other guys did you That's have in okay. your list? I needed, I, needed you to, I needed you to get out of this week without being crushed every single day. <laughs> Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. The, the number two to Michael Thomas. Right? Marvin Jones. Definitely. In Detroit. Michael Gallup Michael in Dallas. Gallup. Tyler Lockett yeah. in Seattle. Sure. Who's number one in Seattle? Is it DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett? It's why I stayed away. I mean, I, I, get, I, think, it's, I think it's Tyler Lockett right now, right? I mean, I, I think DK Metcalf's the new go-to superstar guy. I think he proved that at the end of the season. You know, yeah, th those, I had all those guys on the list. You're right. I even had Robbie Anderson with the Carolina Panthers behind DJ Moore. You know, I mean, we kind of forgot about him in that offseason acquisition. But uh, I think we hit the – John Brown, the number two up in Buffalo now, pretty damn good player too behind Stephon Diggs. So, uh, yeah, there's some good ones out there. I thought about rolling the dice on Jerry Judy as well. I know. Uh, he's going right. to be the number two, right? Mm -hmm. But he's unproven. Hey, how about Dallas? I mentioned Michael Gallup. I know. Is he number two or is it C.D. Lamb I, well, behind Amari Cooper? I, when I was, I, I was, I was going to be cute and like almost take them as both Like at one point in the draft. I thought, oh, maybe I'll just say both of these guys' names because I'm not sure who it's going to be too. But whoever it is, they're in good shape you know, across the board at receiver in Dallas. I'd like to be Dak Prescott this year. Alshon Jeffrey, if and when he's healthy enough to play, he's a great number two to Deshaun Jackson, if and when he's healthy enough to ever play. And, you know, this whole thing was premised on Calvin Ridley's comments, and that's the first time his name came up. I'm sorry, I, well, Calvin. I know. <laughs> and he, he, but he's, still, he's a guy that we could have picked, too. He is, and he is a guy that I think, you know, out of the number twos, who has a chance to be still a number one, too. Like, he could be that guy. And going, you know, It's still early on in his career. And, yeah, you're behind Julio Jones, who's one of the greatest receivers in the history of football, first ballot Hall of Famer. So it's hard to be a number one on that team when that guy's still the main focus. And one guy we didn't mention that I think we should, Justin Jefferson, the Vikings' first-round pick. He's the number two to Adam Thielen. Uh -huh. And the thing is, as the season goes on, if Jefferson lives up to his potential, at some point this year or next year, he's the number one. He could be the one. So, exactly right. Uh, he, he could be so good as the number two he takes out. Because Adam Thielen feels more like he should be a number two. He's not the guy who's going to stretch the field That's the way Stephon Diggs did. And when it was Diggs and Thielen – Thielen was number two, and I think one of the reasons why Diggs maybe wanted out was uh, Thielen ended up with a better contract than the number one receiver in Minnesota, Stephon Diggs, at least the number one previously. Now it could be Justin Jefferson in time, but for now it's Adam Thielen. All right, we're going to talk. Rodney Harrison texted during – he didn't like my Sammy Watkins pick. He texted during the second. Yeah, he, he likes players that can play. And give, <laughs> give me grief. Of, oh, yeah, I, I like players who make catches that, that, that blow open the Super Bowl. I like those players. So. Uh, 
who learn who learned from studying film how to beat one of the best corners that we've seen in the past 50 years of football in a game that has all the marbles riding sure. on it. I like trying to I like justify your draft. I won, you lost. All right. Go on. Rodney Harrison is going to join us when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. We did the draft of the best number two receivers in the earlier segment, and Rodney Harrison was watching. Domination. Rodney Harrison was texting that I was doing a horrible job, and now Rodney gets to tell me to my face, sort of, not that not that he would have any hesitation to say anything to my face, that my draft stunk. Good morning, Rodney. Welcome back. How are you, pal? Good morning, Mike. And I would just say this. Sammy Watkins, you originally picked Sammy Watkins, and Sammy Watkins first has to stay healthy on the field. Secondly, he is not a great number two receiver. He's a very solid number two receiver. I look at a guy like Jarvis Landry, like Chris said, Chris Godwin, Mike Williams. Those are easy. And then the simple fact that you included rookies that haven't even played, haven't even played <laughs> camp. You included I didn't rookies. include rookies. I didn't include rookies. Didn't you say Justin Jefferson and you said some other rookie? No. We were just talking about guys that could have been considered. That wasn't one of my picks. My picks were Sammy Watkins and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, and uh, who was the last Larry one? Such a yeah, they're such, he can't even remember them. Yeah. They're so good. Look at all these guys. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, hey, hey Florio, I, I would just say this, yeah. Florio. Looking at Chris' picks and looking at your picks, Chris has easily blown you away. It's not even close. Those are the dumbest picks you could well, pick. Woo, yeah. I wanted, I, wanted to make, I wanted to make Chris feel good on his way out the door for the week because, you know, he doesn't work on Fridays, unlike the rest of us. Now, let me say this about Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins stepped up in the postseason. He had a big performance against the the Titans in the AFC Championship. He had over 100 yards receiving and a touchdown in that game. He made the catch. He made the move. He had the read on how to beat Richard Sherman for not the go-ahead score, but the drive that resulted in the go-ahead score, the 44-yard uh, torching of Richard Sherman. That That's a huge play. That's what a number two receiver does. Steps on in a big moment and makes a big play with the season on the line. 
That's what I want the guy that helps me win a championship, not a guy who pads his stats all year long. Well, I'll tell you this. When you go into a game and you're playing against the Kansas City Chiefs, you don't go in a game plan and say, we have to stop Sammy Watkins. No, it's we have to stop Tyree Kill. We have to do yes. something about He's a number two receiver. <laughs> right. Well, Mike, that's what number two receivers are. What? But what I'm saying, Mike, to you, he's not better than these other two, number two receivers. We're talking about younger guys, more athletic guys. We're talking about guys that have proven themselves over and over again. Guys that can play outside, guys that can play inside, guys guys that can go deep, guys not afraid to come across the middle, Mike. My, my, uh, Rodney, I'm just interested from, from the safety standpoint all those years, you know, what does it, it do to a safety or a defense when they do have, like, let's say an Odell or a Jarvis Landry, you know, or a Godwin and Mike Evans, something like that? How do, I know you had a deal with Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. How does that, you know, make defense your, your life hard back there? Yeah, I mean, obviously you're concerned about the number one receiver, but it's that number two receiver. You mentioned Jarvis Landry in particular. I mean, all the things that he, he, he brings to a team, the toughness, going across the middle, his ability to block. You also mentioned the fact that he's not afraid to run the ball. I mean, you can hand the ball off to right. him. He can make two or three people miss, run over a couple guys, and that constant energy and toughness that he brings. I just think Jarvis Landry is that dude, that, that, that second receiver. Oh, I think he, he would have been my first pick. I gave Chris the first pick. Chris, I'm done giving you the first pick on the days Rodney's on. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna stack the deck as best I can and get off to a good start. I'm going to start – I'm reserving in advance, like calling shotgun when you're going to a car. I'm reserving the first pick in the drafts on the days that Rodney's coming on afterward. All right, one guy who was never a number two receiver, Rodney, uh, one of the best number one receivers, one of the best receivers of the past decade, Antonio Brown. Last Friday, the NFL gave him enough clarity that, that in theory would allow a team to sign him. He hasn't signed yet. Uh, I don't know who's serious about him and who's not serious about him. What are your thoughts on Antonio Brown at this point of his career, after everything we've seen over the past year and a half? Do you think he still has it, and do you think that he could be controlled and contained in a locker room and not be a problem? Yeah, I think he can still play, and a guy does a terrific job of keeping himself in shape. Um, the problem is, and we all know that he's a terrific football player. He's going to be a first ballot probably um, a Hall of Famer, but I wouldn't, I, I don't know if I would want this guy on my team necessarily because you don't know if he's going to revert back to his old ways. And if you have a steady locker room and you're right there on the verge of winning the Super Bowl, maybe he comes in and helps out, but maybe if you're six and two or seven and three and he gets upset because he's not catching enough passes, he goes off and he calls a disruption in your locker room. That's the main thing I'm that I look at. Everyone looks at the production and his ability, but I look at the chemistry and the continuity in the locker room. It's so important. I played in four Super Bowls, and I tell you, those two Super Bowls that we won, we had tremendous continuity. We didn't have a lot of me guys. We had a lot of unselfish guys, and, and that's my biggest concern with Antonio Brown. Well, it sounds like you're similar sentiments to, like, me and Mike. You know, we, the, the thing we keep hearing about him is, you know, maybe Baltimore, right? And we've heard a few comments from the Baltimore players that they would love to have him, and he would fit in the locker room. But – I'm with you there. That, to me, their team is Super Bowl ready right now. You know, why? Yeah, okay, maybe he makes them better, but I think the risk factor is just too great. I mean, do you see that being a good match with him and Lamar Jackson and a running offense and things like that? Remember guys like Antonio Brown. They're, 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 what's important to them is 
are their stats. They want to put up numbers. And if he's not catching a lot of passes, if he's not getting in the end zone, if he's not being a difference maker on that team, if they're running the ball too much, he's going to snap. He's going to go off because he doesn't want people to think, oh, Antonio Brown, look at his numbers. He's not the same player. And then you have to look at the future contract. So I just, you know, Antonio Brown is a terrific player, but I just think he's, you know, you don't know. I mean, he just said he was going to retire. He's done with football. Then he comes back. He's ready. He's fresh. He's apologized. Like mentally, I don't know how to deal with Antonio Brown or even what to expect from him. So I wouldn't want to play with him. Yeah, the Ravens are in a tough spot. When you've got Lamar Jackson and Antonio Brown's cousin, Marquise Hollywood Brown, constantly saying, we want him, we want him, what do you do? And at some point, you just got to sit back and hope that someone else will sign him so you can get out of this problem and you don't make it worse by bringing him in, getting him upset, and then maybe he poisons Marquise against the organization on his way out the door. So that said, Rodney, what's the team out there where you think it could work for Antonio Brown this year? Well, I think if there's going to be any team that could possibly work, it could be Seattle. It could be Baltimore for the simple fact you have Lamar. And maybe he says, you know what? I understand this might be my last opportunity to play football. I just want to be part of an organization. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to do things right. I'm going to be unselfish. It doesn't matter about my stats. I just want to win football games. And if he comes with that type of mentality, I think the Baltimore um, Ravens would definitely welcome in welcome him in. I don't think he's going to have to ask for a lot of money um, because, you know, he's not in a position to control anything. But I think Baltimore and Seattle are two good teams with Pete Carroll being somewhat of a, you know, players coach. Yeah. Do we think that, like, I mean, we never seem to hear, like, the lower class or middle class teams ever mentioned with Antonio Brown. I mean, am I crazy, like, to think that, hey, maybe one of those teams that's like, hey, we don't have great expectations this year. You know, people think we're a middle-of-the-league type football team. You know, yeah, maybe like the New York Jets who, hey, let's put a little something around Sam Darnold, right? Like that kind of scenario, you know. Now, it's would pressure, you, but it's, let me just say yeah, this. Yeah, go ahead, lot, say it. It's a lot of pressure on young quarterbacks, too, when you bring a guy with that type of strong personality. right. Because a lot of times it's not even what you say, it's your body language. It's, it's how you look at a guy, if you're being discouraging, if you're encouraging him, if you're being negative. It's a lot of times it's just your body language. And I would not trust Antonio Brown around a young quarterback or a team that's right there on the verge of getting better, possibly getting into the playoffs. Yeah, it's a tough balance because the teams that are in the lower echelon of the NFL, those are the teams that can maybe feed him the ball over and over and right. over again. He gets the stats he's looking for. But if the quarterback isn't good enough, if the supporting cast isn't good enough, it's going to be a struggle. He's going to get upset. And, and I think, guys, what I've heard is that the fear throughout the league is that once he's in, he's going to be a very different guy than the guy who's doing everything he can to get in. And there is that concern, as you said, Rodney, he'll revert to the things that we've seen and heard over the last 18 months. And I keep going back to Mike Tomlin. We're going to talk later about our draft from yesterday, the most disrespected figures in the NFL. People are amazed at how Mike Tomlin, Rodney, was able to, to keep that situation from exploding with Antonio Brown for all those years. Yeah, and I think a big part of it was Mike Tomlin, you know, probably catered to Antonio Brown. And now you get to a point where Antonio Brown is probably not the same player that he was a couple years ago. So a lot of teams will not be willing to cater to him <laughs> with his attitude, his demands, and things like that. Because you look at a guy like him, and the first thing, if I were a head coach or a general manager, I would just say, you know what, the guy is too high maintenance. 
It's just, it's, you know, you can't tell him something simple and he'll just go do it. And, you know, all the stories about him being late, not being on time, missing meetings and things like that. Most coaches don't want to deal with that. It's just a royal pain in the butt. Rod Rodney, l last thing, because I know we got to go to commercial break real quick. Did you have any of these thoughts when, like, the Patriots traded to get Randy Moss? Were you at all worried about it just because of some of the, you know, rumors that were out there? I wasn't worried about um, Randy Moss in that sense because I knew we had Coach Belichick. I knew Coach Belichick would hold Randy Moss down. And Randy was a pro. You know, anytime I played against Randy, he was always productive. He's all, he always worked hard. And, and us as teammates, we didn't have any negative mindset coming in with Randy. We just kind of op open up our minds and our hearts and welcome everybody in. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. When we return, Sammy Watkins joins the program by phone. I'm kidding. We're going <laughs> to talk about yesterday's draft of the most disrespected figures in the NFL. Rodney's got some thoughts on that. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. There is the results of yesterday's draft, the most disrespected figures in the NFL. Rodney was chiming in via text message with some of our picks from yesterday. Rodney's with us today. Rodney Harrison, Chris Sims, Mike Florio wrapping up this Thursday edition of PFT Live. Rodney, your thoughts generally. What names stand out to you on the most disrespected figures in the NFL? What can I say? Chris Sims beat you again. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, number one, it has to be Dak Prescott. <laughs> I mean, this guy's a top 10 quarterback in the league and what he's done the last four years and what he's been able to accomplish and his, you know, the prospect of how good he can be. And you still don't want to pay this guy. He's proven that he's a franchise quarterback, Mike, and that I do believe that Dak could take him to a Super Bowl far in the playoffs and you still don't want to pay this guy. This is the most disrespected guy in the league. I would say Kirk Cousins is number two, but Dak Prescott definitely number one, Chris. Okay, good. Well, he gave you a little credit there, Mike. You know, I mean, he said I won the draft, but he's giving you your Kirk Cousins pick there. That was good. I mean, it's funny when you pick a guy that, yes, he's disrespected, but the guy picking him is the one that's disrespecting him more than anybody. Uh, so I always I, love no, that. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but Look, let me just say this, guys. Uh, Eric Bieniemy was a teammate of mine when I was um, – I think I was a rookie in 1994 – and I just tell you, the personality, he cares about every individual in that locker room. He brings energy every single day at practice. He's a smart man, and there's no reason why he shouldn't be a head coach in the National Football League. Eric Bieniemy is that guy. But do you look at like yeah, I feel like oh, I'm sorry, Mike. I, I just I was no, gonna, go ahead, Chris. I mean, I'm I'm with you. The Eric Bieniemy thing, obviously, I mean, it bothers me. It really does because we saw two offensive coordinators before him get head coaching jobs. You know, another name that I thought about, like. And I had some people like push back against it, like Carson Wentz. Do you look at him as being a disrespected player? Because I do. All everybody ever brings up is Nick Foles is better. Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. And I just think that's not a, not a good argument, honestly. Yeah, Carson Wentz was a guy that I was really thinking about. And, you know, unfortunately he got injured and he had some injuries, some up and downs. But this guy can play what he did last year, the toughness, playing with a makeshift, uh, makeshift talent, guys that we never even heard of. You know, this is a guy that a lot of people disrespect, don't really show the respect that he deserves. And I, I think he's a tremendous football player. And I think he's going to continue to get um, better as they continue to develop talent around him. And one thing I respect about Carson Wentz, last year there was a, a story that 
that uh, was published about how you know Wentz maybe doesn't click with his teammates and and you know it, it, there's some things that they didn't like and instead of shouting it down he said you know there are things I'm trying to improve on and I think last year we saw the best version of Carson Wentz we saw him stay healthy and effective with a bunch of guys around him that we didn't even know who the hell they were late in the year and they got to the playoffs so I, I agree with you I think that you know Wentz I, I think what happens is when a guy makes a huge splash early in his career and then doesn't live up to it, we start dumping on him even more. I mean, it looked like Wentz was going to take the league by storm before he tore the ACL against the Rams in 2017, and he's been fighting to get back to that level ever since, and I think people are, are more critical of him because we've seen how great he can be, and he's still not back to that point, Rodney. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's all part of it. You know, when you have success early in your career, then all of a sudden the expectations go through the roof, and, you know, people expect certain things. And then all of a sudden you're able, you know, they're able to win a Super Bowl without you. Personally, you take that personal and you say, man, this team is better without me. And then you start to question your skills and things like that. But I, I think just his work ethic, everything that he brings, the toughness, the humility, I think, you know, I think he has a lot of respect from his teammates. We got one minute left, but we never talk about defensive players when we talk about disrespected players. I just it, it always jumps out to me. And one of the guys I thought about, and I know you're all over defensive football and you got a players that, you know, most people wouldn't know and you love or whatever. Jadeveon Clowney. I even thought of Devin McCourty up in New England. Like, he's one of the better safeties of our generation. Nobody ever talks about him. Anybody on the defensive side that you feel like never gets credit or disrespected a lot? Um, I think Clowney could be that guy because we have a – we have um, – a league where pass rushers are definitely at a premium. You see the type of contracts they're getting. And for a guy with that level of talent, for him not to be able to get an opportunity, man, it's, it's just still puzzling to me that he hasn't signed a long-term contract. Yeah. All right, Rodney. Hey, great stuff as always. We'll talk to you again soon. You're the man, and, Rodney. Uh, we'll be back to wrap up this Thursday edition of PFT Live right after this. Chris, you're better than Mike. I know it. I kicked his butt. Thanks, Rodney. Uh, Tredavious White uh, feeling the pressure from fans on social media. Not not a surprise. Bill's fans probably up in arms about the prospect of him opting out. He tweets, crazy that me choosing my family's well-being over a game comes with so-called fans attacking and questioning me and saying I'm selfish. No, you guys are selfish for thinking that football is bigger than life. Oh, by the way, my girl's grandfather passed from COVID. You understand now? Chris, look, people need to give these guys a break. This is a, a very excruciating decision that these players have to make. Let them make it in peace. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, listen, I know some people are forced to work out there and it's uncomfortable, and, and I know. But we also got a lot of people who are making these type of comments who aren't going to work either and are staying at home, but yet they want everybody else to do it. I don't like that. See you tomorrow, everybody. Have a great day. See you day. tomorrow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.